If you have your Bibles, go with me, if you would, to the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3, and I want to read verses 10 and 11. In the word of God, these are the words of God. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Before we pray, I want you to notice in one verse, God opens his hand and blesses abundantly. And in the next verse, God keeps the enemy from bringing destruction into your life. We serve a wonderful God, don't we? We serve a powerful Father that cares about each and every one of us. Would you pray with me uh, this morning for God's anointing upon His Word and upon His servant today? Father, we bless you. Thank you for the Word of God, all of the Word of God. And Lord, today I pray that you would uh, take the Word, hide it in our heart, that we might not sin against Thee. Lord, let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May it guide us, may it direct us, may it speak to us through the presence and the power of your spirit. May your name be glorified. Those that are sitting in this room, those that are watching online, may the Holy Spirit speak in a very personal and powerful way, we pray in Christ's name. And the church said... Last week we talked about the attitude of a successful steward. Today I would like to speak for a few moments on the reward of a successful steward. I want you to listen to this verse, verse 10 of the scripture text, and I want you to listen to it paraphrased for our better understanding. First of all, I want to emphasize this is God, your creator, your sustainer, your father that is talking. He says, bring as an act of worship the full amount of your tithe, the whole tenth of your income into the storehouse, the local church, that there may be food in my house. Prove me now by it. Go ahead and put me to the test. Check me out. Experiment with me. Test me. Give me an opportunity to prove myself, and you will see that I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will throw open the floodgates of heaven for you and pour out on you so much blessing financially and materially that you will not have enough room to contain it. That, my friend, is God's guarantee. I'll say that again. That, my friend, is God's guarantee. Today I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about the principle of tithing. 
the promise of tithing, and the practice of tithing. Last week, we discussed the attitude of a successful steward, and we dealt with multiple elements that God calls us to give up for His kingdom, namely our time, our talent, and our tithing. The attitudes that we found in the parable of the Good Samaritan were present in the house of God last Sunday, and those attitudes are present in the house of God today. You fall into one of these three categories, there's no way you can get around it. And those three attitudes that were manifested in the parable of the Good Samaritan is simply this. Number one, what is yours is mine and I'm going to take it. Number two, what is mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. Or number three, what is mine is yours and I am going to give it. Today, specifically, we're going to zero in on the pocketbook. The thing that is quite often that that is most dear to our heart. Jesus himself said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. First and foremost, let's talk about the principle of tithing. Tithing is a biblical precedent found throughout the word of God. From cover to cover, you will find out about tithing. It is simply this. To explain it, it is bringing one-tenth or 10% of your income into the storehouse, into the local church. It is the first tenth of one's blessings and income, and it belongs to the Lord. In the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 27, the scripture says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, it is holy unto the Lord. In Deuteronomy 14 and verse 22, it says, You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. We find in 2 Chronicles chapter 31 and verse 5, As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children brought in abundance the first fruits of the grain and the first fruits of the wine and the oil and the honey and of all the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. I want you to know today that tithing is an act of worship. It's just as much an act of worship as singing, as praising, as praying, as sharing the word, as the altar service. And that is why every year, most years, as a pastor, I have a strong conviction to spend a couple of Sundays talking about stewardship. And I'm convinced today, as I came to this pulpit, that, that there are going to be some that are going to take a giant leap in their spiritual maturity and their walk with Christ. In fact, I'll go so far as to say, at no other time I believe that Christians grow more dramatically in their walk with God than at the time when they make up their mind God is going to get the first tenth the tithe that belongs to the Lord and yet I have also observed and watched other believers constantly on the treadmill of misery because they refuse for year after year to return the tithe and they pine away that they can never get
get ahead. How about it, friend? How about if you just stop what you're doing right now and say, God, from now on, instead of me trying to control my household, I'm going to turn my household over to you. Instead of me providing for my household, I'm going to say, God, I can't do it on my own. And from this day forward, I'm going to trust you and you first and foremost. And then, my friend, I promise you, you will be amazed at the goodness and grace of God that he bestows upon you and your family. I wish somebody would give the Lord a shout of praise. Two items of importance that you will learn today. Number one, when you tithe, when you give the first tenth, you are saying, I am not subject to the world's economy. I am subject to God's economy. Now, I know someone's probably sitting here or watching online, and they're thinking to themselves, how can you preach at a time like this about giving and tithing? Our country's election is, in, is being challenged and seems to hang in the balance, and we don't know the future of where we are going, and will we become socialistic, or will we remain a free democracy, and we're dealing with social unrest, and the country seems to be and, and really is sort of divided, and the economy seems all of a sudden fragile, and there's uncertainty times with COVID. How in the world, preacher, can you preach on money and tithing? I'm telling you, it's especially at times like these, because when you are a tither, you are subject to the economy of God, and poverty, and inflation, and lack, and debt have no power over you, because your father owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and the beasts of the forest belong to him, because your father promised he would supply all of your needs, because he has many riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Because your father says if you'll lay up your treasures in heaven, the moth and the dust will not get to it. It will not corrode it. And I'm telling you, unlike the up and down returns from the stock market and Wall Street, God's returns are out of this world and more abundant than you can ever imagine. Let me go on record saying this morning, it matters less who is in the White House than who is in this house. And I'm telling you who is in this house is Jesus Christ, the great provider, my great provider, my king, my president, my Lord. The righteous are never forsaken. He will provide for me. All good gifts come from the Lord. These are all promises that are found in the word of God. You are not subject to the world's economy when you tithe. The second thing you need to embrace in this is that when you tithe, you are not being generous. You're simply obeying God. God is a covenant God, and that is part of your covenant with the Lord. It matters not your assets or lack thereof. It matters not your debt or lack of debt. When you tithe, you are returning unto the Lord. It's not 2% for one person and 7% for another. It's not 6% for John and 10% for Sally because Sally makes more than John does. It's 10% for John and 10% for Sally. This is not about tipping. This is about tithing. Furthermore, it is the first tenth. I see where you mess yourself up and when you get all up and down and wishy-washy is when you try to work the tithe in about 10 items down your budget. It's the first tenth. It's the first fruits. It's not after bills or after updating your wardrobe 
or after the vacation has ended, after all expenses at the end of the month. Friend, it is the first fruits. Tithing is for everyone, and tithing is the first tenth unto the Lord. Now, so, someone here is probably thinking, Pastor, you have given us Old Testament scriptures. I've read them. That's under the law of Moses. Can I tell you something? Tithing is not Old Testament or New Testament. Tithing is an eternal principle. He said, well, I don't know if I buy that. Well, let me tell you, 400 years before the law was ever given, the Bible says Abraham gave the first tenth to the high priest of God. 400 years, four centuries before the law was ever given about tithing, Abraham was tithing. 270 years before the law was given, Jacob made a vow unto the Lord that he would tithe if the Lord would keep his hand upon him. You go to the New Testament and you find uh, that Jesus confirmed the principle of tithing. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23, he's pronouncing a woe to the scribes and the Pharisees. And this is what he says. You're hypocrites because you pay tithe of, of mint and a nice and coming and you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Watch this. These ought you to have done, justice, mercy, and faith, without having leave the others undone. In other words, it was a given in Jesus' day that people brought their tithe into the temple. It is a fundamental principle of God's word, and it applies to all believers in all times. Listen to this preacher this morning. Listen to your pastor this morning. God can get along without your tithe. His kingdom will go on. He will build his church. But I'm telling you, you cannot get along without returning your tithe. Maybe you heard the story. There was a, see, and then we're in a political week. This is a good time to bring in this illustration. There was a congressman several years ago, many years ago, a young congressman. His name was, last name was McEwen. And he tells the story of having a, a young son. And he took his young son and they went to McDonald's for lunch. And as they sat, or as they ordered their meal, he ordered his son's meal with everything, including fries, and then he ordered his meal, but the congressman didn't get any french fries. And so he went and sat down across from his young son, and as he sat down across from him, the congressman reached over to get some of his son's fries, and his son pulled his fries back. I've had that happen. My wife does that to me sometime. I'll just have a couple of your fries. I'm thinking, why don't you get your own fries? But I don't say it out loud. I just think it in my heart. <laughs> I love you, honey. Three lessons hit the congressman immediately. Number one, he thought the son doesn't realize who bought the French fries. Number two, the son doesn't realize I can take the French fries. Number three, the young son doesn't realize I don't need his french fries. I can go and buy my own french fries. Do you get the message this morning? God gave you your fries. And hello, God can take your fries. And here's the truth. God doesn't need your fries, but he can get his fries elsewhere. 
Just, just, I sense I'm irritating some folks today. Let me just say I have always irritated folks when I preach on tithing. Always. Every time. Every time. And 10 times out of 10 times, it's folks who don't pay tithes. Go figure. But here's the truth. It's not me irritating you. It's the Holy Spirit convicting you. So that you can live in the abundance that God intended for you to live in. You are tying God's hands over your life. You are closing the fist of God's blessing over your family. Look at your neighbor and say, hold on, he's getting ready to get a little more meddlesome. Let me clarify some things further about tithing for new believers and, and even seasoned saints. The tithe is brought to the storehouse, the church, where you are fed spiritually. The tithing does not go to your favorite crusade preacher. Now, I'm a little stirred up about something that's happened more in recent years. There are now ministries that are offering online membership. I believe they are an affront to the local church. Now, you can send your tie there if you want to, but don't expect them to fly in from Baton Rouge to visit and pray for you when you're sick. Come on, somebody help me here. Don't expect them to come flying in from Columbus when you need somebody to marry your family member or bury your loved one or disciple your children or your youth. I got a feeling they're not going to show up. And yes, I'm online and I'll go on record and I'd go toe-to-toe with any of them. The bottom line is you bring your tithe into the storehouse where you're fed, where you connect with people. Part of the problem of our day, as wonderful as technology is, it has led to a disconnect. I'm telling you right now, we had better be careful that we don't allow technology to come in between us and our relationship with the body of Christ. Mm. The Bible does not teach you to divide your tithe. I have never read anywhere where the Bible tells you to give 2% to Salvation Army and 3% to TBN and 2% to buy groceries for Aunt Bernice and 1% to the Humane Society. Oh, and then 2% to the local church. I've never read that. The tithe belongs to God. In God's storehouse, the church, wherever you're fed, that's where your tithe belongs. Are you fed? Hopefully you're fed. If you don't, shoot the preacher. My calling is to feed you week after week after week, but I'm telling you right now, you don't eat at Texas Roadhouse and then go pay the bill at McDonald's. I've never tried it, but I don't think it'll work. If you're our guest today, We do love Jesus around here. We love each other around here. And if you're our guest today and you want to bless this church with an offering, God will bless you. But your tithe belongs in your home church where you are fed. If you're on vacation here this morning, 
Make sure you send your tithes back to your home church. Please don't pay your tithes here. And yes, newsflash, we pay our tithes when we go on vacation. We still pay our tithes when there's a snow day and church is not happening. I tell you what, you take your vacation, you take your tithe money and spend it on vacation, you're liable to enjoy your vacation a lot less than what you thought you were going to enjoy it. The promise of tithing. True story. John D. Rockefeller, at 23 years old, was a millionaire. At 50 years old, he was a billionaire. But at 53, he was eaten up with stress and ulcers. All because in his whole life, he had been a grabber, a taker. The doctors told him, you got one year to live. At 54 years old, he had one, live, one year to live. And on top of that, during that last year that you have on this earth, all you can have is milk and crackers. The man's a billionaire, could buy any restaurant in the world. And yet, his menu was milk and crackers. Imagine that. So he took assessment of his life. He turned his life around. He started giving to churches, to hospitals, to medicine. In fact, many of our discoveries in the medical field were funded by the Rockefeller Foundation. As soon as he released, he let go of an inner attitude poison of greed, ulcers, stress, tension, and he began to live. He lived till he was 90 years old instead of dying at 54 because something had happened. His heart had been changed. It's a heart issue. It's not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. I think we can do better than that. I said it's a heart issue. Amen. It's not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. True story. Winston Churchill, we've all heard the name. But as a small boy, he was visiting a, a friend whose dad was a gardener at a very nice estate in England. His friend's name was Alexander. The young Alexander was always interested in science and the medical field and he asked his dad one day prior to Winston visiting, he said, Dad, I'd like to go to medical school one day. His dad, the gardener, looked at Alexander and said, Alexander, you know we can't afford that. I'm just a gardener working on this estate. Well, one day when Winston came to visit, Alexander saw him get cramps in the pool on the estate and was drowning. Alexander jumped in and he saved him. The boy saved the other boy. So Winston's father was so grateful. The wealthy father said to the gardener father, what can I do to repay you? Humbly, the, the gardener dad just replied and said, well, my, my son would like to attend medical school, but we cannot afford it. Winston Churchill's father paid Alexander's full scholarship to medical school of him saving his son from drowning. It's a great story, but it doesn't end there. Years went by, and of all people, Winston Churchill came down deathly sick in Egypt. Alexander Fleming found out and flew to Egypt with his newly discovered medicine called 
penicillin and save Churchill's life once again. That is amazing. You just never know. You ask the question, who can place a price tag on Winston's father's gift of giving into Alexander Fleming's education and career? And I thought about that this week, and I thought, but greater than that, who can place a price tag on God's abundant, priceless blessings when you put him first as he asked you to? Who can place a price tag? On the opportunity your son and your daughter, your grandbabies, have to kneel at this altar to find Jesus Christ and gain eternal life. You know what? Somebody had to pay tithes for that to happen. Hmm. Let me just, and I know I've got some young adults scattered throughout this room, some teenagers in this room. Listen, listen to me. This is a defining moment. Maybe to this moment, you've, you've kind of hung on the coattails of mom and dad's stewardship. But the Holy Spirit has sent me to confront you and to challenge you to make that step today. To enter that covenant today. You cannot outgive God. This is not your pastor's promise. It is the promise of the word of the Lord. There, there's... There's people in this place, you're killing yourselves because of overtime and multiple, multiple jobs and missing out on time with your family. Why don't you just simply try God's way and then watch him work? The principle of tithing and the promise of tithing. And then finally, the practice of tithing. I'll say it again. Tithing is not a financial problem. It's not a financial issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's simply manifest in our finances. And if you're in love with God and with God's work, tithing will not be a problem. If you're not tithing today, lack of insufficiency it leads to misery in fact if you're not tithing today the scripture calls you living under a curse versus living under a blessing I strongly urge you to start today I strongly urge you to start with the right attitude. Just, to just say, you know what, I'm going to start tithing, period. No scorekeeping, no black book. God is my resource. Give God an opportunity to bless you with his open hand. Untie the hands of God over your life. I haven't consulted with my elders about this, so I'm going to step out on a limb, and they can rebuke me after service. But I feel so strong about that, about this. Today is November 8th. I challenge you to take the step of faith, and if you haven't seen God's open hand over your life by 90 days from now, February 8th, I'll reimburse you every single dime you gave into the Pulaski Church of God. That's how, that's how confident I am of God's hand over your life. 
had someone call me here a few weeks ago, and we were on the phone and said, I've got this opportunity as it relates to real estate. If I go this route, what should I do? God's dealing with me about tithing. I said, brother, no matter what, don't compromise the tithe. I guess about two, three weeks went by. He called me again. Said I was absolutely astounded at God's abundant, miraculous provision when I made up my mind the tithe was going to come first. Is there anybody, my Lord, is there anybody in the house that has seen the faithfulness of God? Time and time and time again, he will amaze you. My mama tells me that he extends the warranty on your tires when you tithe. I shared the testimony before, and they're here, but I'll share it again, because when at a time when God was dealing with them and convicting them about tithing in their early Christian years, my oldest sister was very, very sick. And they made a determination that they were going to tithe. She'd been running a fever, I think, for several days, if my memory serves me correctly. Been very sick. They made that determination. The fever broke. God healed her body. I can't help but believe that it was a direct result of their obedience and their faith in God. Be rewarded today. I'm telling you, 90 day challenge. February 8th, mark it down. That's how strongly I'm convinced of God's promises. Tony, come to the keys if you would. You see, this is covenant. God's a covenant God. And there are some unconditional blessings that God bestows upon us every day that we live, just because of His grace and His mercy. There are. If we, if we tried to count them, we wouldn't be able to because there's so many. The fact that you're sitting here, wiggling your ten fingers and standing on your two feet, breathing out of your two lungs, with your heart beating, some of you at 60 beats, some of you at 100. you're here you're alive that is the unconditional blessings of the Lord but according to his word there are some blessings that are only conditional upon our obedience I'm going to ask the ushers to come this is going to be our altar time today You're entering into covenant.
Many of you are already in covenant. Several of you are not. You can't figure it out. You can't rationalize it. You can't try to say, I got to sit down and calculate it in my budget. I'm telling you right now, it, 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 you cannot do it. It has to be a spiritual issue. It has to be an issue of the heart. It has to be a determination that says, you know what? I'm going to enter into covenant with God. Everybody in the room, grab your tithe, grab your offering, get it in your hands if you would. Got it in your hands? Stand to your feet if you would. All over this house. Everyone stand in the room. Everyone in the room. I want you to get that tithe in your hand right now. Put it in your hand. Close your eyes. I want you to, I want you to repeat this prayer and I want you to repeat it with, with passion. Are you ready? Father, come on, everybody pray it. Father, bless me abundantly as I am about to release the tithe into your hands that you have asked me to return. The first tenth, the first fruit into the storehouse. As I covenant with you, Lord, Bless my family. Bless my finances. Bless my health. May the devourer be rebuked that is out to destroy what belongs to God in my life. May the favor of God be granted to me in my cheerful obedience to you in tithing. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. After you give this morning, I need you to return to your seat for a few moments. Just have a seat, but I want everybody to bring their tithe and offering to the Lord as the music is played. Play something upbeat, something joyful.